All right, three, two, one. Woo! Praise you, Lord! We love you, Lord! And let's pray. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your word, God, your word that is good for all things, your word that is abundant and overflowing in life. Oh, God, we are so privileged to hear it. We're privileged to do it. And Lord, just help us to receive it today. Amen. All right, grab a seat. And we're going to roll a quick short clip. Fury is not a word often heard in church. And to be honest, introducing such a word excites and it scares me. Extreme strength in action, rage, enthusiasm, fierce passion, fury is anything but lukewarm. Hot-blooded to the extreme. Fury runs at such high velocity that one mistake will cost you everything. One twitch, left or right, will send you smashing, crashing, flipping to your death. When we Christians are far more familiar with plotting along to the straight and narrow gate. And that's great. But here's the thing about straight and narrow. It's boring and predictable. The world is so busy flying past, they don't even see us, let alone want to be us. And what's more, the devil has loaded a minefield of sin and temptation along our path. And what's more, more, my God is not boring. My God is not predictable. My God retrieves me from spiraling out of control along life's edge. See, some fevers need to be burnt away. And God is no fool. This world begs for sex, money, power, rock and roll. And to them, he offers Samson. Samson invented the 80s. The hair, the bod, the epic one-liners. A ride-or-die man of action. He lived his life fast and furious, 1,000 miles per hour, pushing himself and everyone around him to the limits. His story is one of lust, drama, controversy and, and tragedy that's better suited to the glossy fronts of magazines than it is to the dusty pages of the Bible. But that's the point. I have no doubt if Samson was alive today, he would not be here with us in this church. And yet I believe... He will be in heaven. So why talk about him for? Stranger still, why is he in the Bible? Why choose this person we judge to Donald Trump us? Over this four-week epic, we are going to be riding shotgun with Samson. Through the fury of his promise, controversy, betrayal, redemption, Beginning today, 
with the promise of Samson's origins and first love. So part one, Judges 13, one to two. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The first verse here gives us cold context. An alien nation in another place and another time somehow represents our sin that really we don't want to talk about. Too hard. Too depressing. But the second verse zooms in on this context. Zooms in a little closer to home. Manoah and his wife, unable to have children. Tragic, right? Tragic. More importantly, let's all put our spiritual glasses on for a second. Everyone, did you bring your spiritual glasses to church? That's mandatory, by the way. The barrenness of this woman personifies the far more tragic barrenness, lifelessness, divorce in the marriage between God and man that we don't want to look at in verse 1. See it? Humans only listen to humans, always looking for ourselves in photos. Therefore, the word becomes flesh. Why? That flesh might also become the word. Get to the point. Heaven intervenes on Israel through this woman's womb. The angel of the Lord appears. The angel of the Lord appears. Oh my goodness, this is exciting business. This is an important guy, given his time for this lady. I love it. All right, let's see what he says. I lost my spot. wasn't getting the right response. <laughs> Judges 13, 3 to 5. You're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you do not drink fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. Great advice to a pregnant woman. Love it. His head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Exciting. In other words, I'm going to resurrect your marriage, restore your identity, fill you with life, save your people. In other words, the gospel. <laughs> Judges 13, 24 to 25. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit began to stir him. I love the way it words that. You can just, I think that, I don't know, I've got this sneaking suspicion that they only use that language for Samson, you know? You know those crazy kids when you're at school, those ones that you always get a big rise out of? 
That was me as well, by the way. But, but you know, you stir them, you know, and you see what happens. The Holy Spirit started stirring him, you know. All right. 20-ish years later, part two. Judges 14, 1 to 3. Samson went down to Timnah, where he saw a young Philistine beauty. And when he returned home, he put his dirty feet up on the kitchen table and announced to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. (laughs) His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman amongst God's people? So Samson turns to his father. Come on, bro. Get her for me, bro. She's the right one for me. See what happened? Samson knew his parents were divided in their belief. So he went to the weakest link to get what he wanted and justify his sin. That age-old chestnut. Now, I don't have time to go into depth with this, but in the chapter just prior, Samson's father, Manoah, was more like Manua, a real stinker. God even sent his angel to give him a lesson in parenthood. But where Manoah failed to learn the angel's lessons in faith, grace, and glory, Samson appears to have succeeded in learning his father's lessons of sexism, entitlement, and folly. Isn't that always the way? Sin's itching ears. Quick recap. What was Samson's ultimate life goal? Anyone? Set the people free. Top of the class, Steve. Save God's people from the evil Philistines. Now suppose you were Samson trying to sabotage God's predestination over your life. What would be your first move? Join the enemy. There you go. Samson fell head over heels in lust with a Philistine woman, a.k.a. He joined himself to the very people God had called him to overthrow. A.K.A. Samson was doomed to overthrow himself. Talk about forbidden fruit. If you listen to these pages, just carefully, you can hear the entire New Testament church calling out, Don't do it. Flirt to convert doesn't work. Goodness knows we've tried it, right, church? And at this point, the story feels as tragically familiar as an 18-year-old leaving church to drink and party and date a non-Christian. But brace yourself for the really weird part 
Judges 14.4 tells us that Samson's desire for this woman was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. Does not compute. How could our perfect God contradict himself like this by influencing his chosen leader to break his own Deuteronomy 7 law not to marry ungodly nations? It's moments like these that I feel like I don't understand God at all. And I admit that to claim to know God would be delusional. But wouldn't it be equally foolish not to try? First things first, what does Judges 14.4 actually say? The Lord was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. This occasion could literally be anything, right? Which makes this doubly as tragic and sad that God knew Samson's heart needed to be disciplined in this way through the consequences of his fleshly desires. Even so, God must have felt bad about it because he sends Samson a warning, Judges 14.5. As Samson was on his way to fraternize with this uncircumcised Philistine... Suddenly, a young lion came roaring towards him. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, church, come on, come on. Dun, 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 come on, come on. Dun, 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 dun. It's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight, rising up to the challenge of our rival. And the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night, as is watching us so with the eye of the lion. Ding, ding, ding. Step right up, step right up. Who will be the main, main? The heir to the hair in this interspecies battle royale. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Roar! Who's the king of the jungle now? No one gets between me and my girl. Oh, also I forgot to mention, Samson has superpowers, pretty much the real-life Hulk Hercules. Anyway, moving on. Oh, God, should I marry this girl? Quieten down that lion. Why won't you give me an answer? And God did. Judges 14.8. <coughs> when Samson was on his way, this time to marry the girl... Inside the lion's dead carcass was a beehive flowing with honey. Scientists would call this a miracle. Samson called it breakfast. 
And in doing so, he completely disregarded the Nazarite status, which gave him his strength, which was prophesied over his life, which forbade him from touching corpses. And here he is eating of it. All right, a bit of crowd interaction. Let's do it. Show of hands, would you eat the honey? Yes. Three, three hungry people here, didn't eat their breakfast, four. Anyone else, anyone else? All right, all right, all right. So I'm assuming everyone else is no or just too lazy? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. There's a fascinating dualism amongst this weird prophetic symbol of honey and life within the deadness of the lion. Revelation 5.5 describes Jesus as the lion of Judah, whereas 1 Peter 5.8 describes Satan as a roaring lion seeking to devour. So, which kitty cat are we dealing with here? The honey represents the reward for Samson's victory over the lion, does it not? The promised land was described by God as flowing with milk and honey. And as such, the honey here is also indicative of the riches and life that Israel inherited by destroying the pagan nations who dwelt within that land, including the Philistines. Likewise, here's something a bit more personal. The honey represents the temptation of Samson's young Philistine lover, who appears sweet and appealing, albeit surrounded by the wickedness and spiritual deadness of her people and her family. Lastly, and most importantly, the honey represents your own paradoxical salvation, which comes at the hand of you crucifying Jesus the true Lion of Judah. Therefore, if the honey is Jesus' grace, who will eat it? Yes? If God tells you to eat the honey, eat the honey. If God tells you to marry the Philistine, marry the Philistine hottie. Just do it. In other words, don't judge the pregnant teenager, the smoker out the front on a Sunday, the Israel Falau shooting off his mouth. Because for all you know, God placed them there, right where they are, to bring sin crashing down to its knees. And that's it. That's week one of fury. <laughs> Preached furiously. <laughs> now say what you want about Samson. He wasn't afraid to take risks and to live passionately. I want to remind you, like what we have heard here today, that God promises you a future. He promises you relationships. 
And he promises you a place, a promised land. That's all for us. And better still, it's not even dependent on our own lackluster goodness. Even if we make mistakes, God gives us the strength to get through them, to tear apart lions, for goodness sakes, (laughs) with our bare hands. I'll get you to stand to your feet. The character of Samson was prophesied. He was to be the chosen emancipator, redeemer. Shows so much promise, so much strength. And yet I'm worried for him, aren't you? From this story, I'm worried about where this is all going. Next week, the drama of Samson's love life is going to continue to unfold and heat up. And the controversies of his moral life begin to unravel. But while we're here and while we're talking about this promise, I want to say that if you need some strength in your current circumstance, or if you need some passion in your bones for the Lord Jesus Christ, just flick your hand up real quick. We don't even need eyes closed for this one. Just boldly, right where you are. That's it. Come on. I'll take some. Yes, please, God. I'll take more. (laughs) How good is our God? Come on. A superhero. I'm going to pray for you, church. And if you really want it, you can meet me up here for some prayer. And if not, we're just going to sing our hearts out to God. How's that sound? Sound good? Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you that you reveal your nature in the most unlikely of places, that there's nowhere you can't go, no person you can't redeem, Father. I pray for those that need your strength, Father, that your Holy Spirit right now, where they're standing, Father, will strengthen them, Father, will fill them with passion, will give them whatever they need, Father, to conquer the lions in their life, Father. We thank you for the trials, God, because you're strengthening us, you're leading us, you're taking us where you need us to go, Father. And we thank you for the strength, Lord, to overcome because your son Jesus overcame and he bought us at a great price. Thank you, God. Let's sing, church.